0: All right. So we're in the third week of this series in Jeremiah. And uh, yeah, what what has happened so far is we've had these two weeks where there's been a lot of heart challenge. There's been a lot to consider in all of this. Um, I should say, I've encouraged you to bring your Bible with you, whether that's an electronic version or whether it's a good old Physical version, um, and so I'd encourage you to you can open up to chapter three is where we're going to be at today. But I'm just trying to set the scene a little bit for us. Um, for maybe if you're here for the first time today, or there's been so many distractions in your life that you feel so far you haven't really got into this. I want to give you a little bit of a recap and a rechallenge into this. We are in the third week of four series of teaching out of the book of Jeremiah, and if you are here for the first time or you're visiting, my, my hope is that you'll get something from this that Lord can speak to you afresh in all of this. But I really believe, and I want to keep repeating this invitation to us as a church family, I really believe God is offering something at this time, this Kairos moment, this opportune moment, for us to get into this together. For you in your uh, rest of your week, not just a half hour on a Sunday morning, but for the rest of your week to really get into this. And I have been encouraged to hear some of the stories, to even hear the overflow of that this morning um, in our sharing time, really, really encouraging. But church, we need to be all in if we want to get the fullness and every little drop that he has for you and for I. It's not just my seconds that I want to offer to you. I want to offer you an invitation once again to be with him, to sit with him, and to allow him to speak to you in all of this. And so I pray that this will just be a catalyst for you to get into the book of Jeremiah. We've had two weeks of challenge in chapter one and chapter two, and I admit they have been heart uh, rendering. They've been challenging their hearts. I don't apologize for that. I believe it's what the Lord is trying to challenge us on. Um, But the thing about this challenge has been, and I want you to hear this, there's a passionate lament From a broken hearted God. Speaking to his people. All the clans of Israel. All the descendants of Jacob. That includes us. Challenging us. Have we lost our first love? Have we lost our awe of him? And asking us. This once happy marriage. That began with devotion. Has ended in divorce. The forsaking of him. And that's where we were at last week. But now we approach a moment. In it all. Where um, this is a threshold moment. This is a. Key moment for us as we go into chapter 3. It's what Christopher Wright calls a hinge passage. Basically, what that means is there's been the challenge that has been, and we're going to hear beginning today and going into next week the blessing that he has for us on the other side of us. But it's decision time, MCF. This is the heart challenge, and it's up to you. God is a God of an invitation. He doesn't force things on us. He invites us into something. And so I just want to say to you today, as you hear this, allow your heart to feel challenged and to hear the invitation in this hinge passage. We're not going to read all of this today because we're going through chapter 3 and into the start of chapter 4. That's why I encourage you to bring your Bible with you. What I want to do is, I'm going to highlight some bits and all of that, but we're going to begin in in chapter 3, verse 1, with... This expectation that this is a, 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 an opportune moment to decide where we're going to go with this. It shapes where we go forward. So chapter 3 verse 1 says this. A man divorces his wife and she leaves him and marries another man. Should he return to her again? Would not the land be completely defiled? Would you have lived as a prostitute with many lovers? Would you now return to me declares the Lord? Look up to the Barren Heights and see, is there any place where you have not been ravished by the roadside you've sat waiting for lovers, sat like a nomad in the desert? You have defiled the land with your prostitution and your wickedness. That's the challenge where we've been. Therefore, the showers have been withheld and no spring rains have fallen. Yet you have the brazen look of a prostitute. You refuse to blush with shame. Have you not just called to me, my father, my father, My friend from my youth, will you always be angry? Will your wrath continue forever? This is how you talk, but you do all the evil you can. I just want to stop there for a moment. This is where the people have been and God is continuing the challenge, but it is a hinge moment. That hinges around two questions that are in this that I wonder did you notice? They're both in verse one. Should he return to her again? This is a question. Will God, it's like that, you imagine yourself in a movie where it's a moment, will he, won't she, won't he? Will she, won't she? Will God, the loving, faithful husband who has been faithful from the beginning, now return and take? his people back, his bride back. What I want to say to you is, in the eyes of the law at that time, I just want to try and answer this for a moment Do you see the faithfulness of God on all of this. In the eyes of the law at that time, if you go back into the Torah in Deuteronomy 24, what the law would have said is, no, no, no. If a man finds any uncleansiness and cleanliness in his wife, then he can write her a certificate of divorce. So what the law would be saying and what the Jewish people, the Jewish readers would hear in this is, are you wise? You want to take her back? Once a cheat, always a cheat. And there's permission in the law to end this right now. (laughs) You see, this is where we see this beautiful heart of God of who he is. This is the God who has made a covenant promise that cannot be broken. He is faithful. This is the God that when he promises his people and you and me, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. (laughs) Even when you forsake me, I won't forsake you. And the answer has to be that this God of the second chance who encouraged the prophet Hosea to run after his adulterous wife and to bring her back, Comer, of course he is going to be faithful to the end. And so when you read on in this, you'll see in verse chapter 12, he says to his people, I will frown on you no longer for I am faithful. not Beautiful. Just stop and drink that in for a moment. That is who our God is. Not this angry, vengeful God that you hear the world talk about. This distant God. But a loving God who radically pursues us. His bride. The church. Even when we forsake him. He is still pursuing us today MCF. He is still longing for relationship with us. Deeper than we've ever tasted before. It's not just about turning up and just being present. It's part of it. But it's allowing him, his love to saturate us afresh. This loving God who of course is going to return again. So the focus shifts where he is asking his bride, Would you now return to me? That is the question I am asking us. That is the question I believe God is asking of us, MCF. Will we now return to Him? You would think this was a case of who wouldn't, (laughs) having all that we have heard. And I want to encourage you to read through. The rest of this um, chapter this week, from verses 6 to 14, I'm going to highlight just a couple of things here in all of this. Because you see, this call to return, this is something that is still relevant for us today. Because the word that is used here is this word shub. It's basically is the word that forms, it, it means to, to turn back or to return. It is the word that, um, in the Hebrew word teshuva that means to repent They're the same thing. It's about turning back to him. And that's why I said last week, repentance is not just something for those outside the church. It's for us inside. Why do I believe that? (laughs) Read on into chapter three. He's calling out faithless Israel to return to him and unfaithful Judah. Faithless is those who have no faith or have lost their faith. They're basically less faith in their life. They have no faith. And that side of it we get. Hey, But he's calling back unfaithful Judah. You know what unfaithful means? It means you're filled with unfaith. You want a little picture of what that looks like? Well, we get it in verse 5. He says, this is how you talk, as if we're returning to him, but you do all the evil you can. He's calling out his people on this. And he says in verse 10 to the unfaithful Judah, you did not return to me, With all her heart. With all of her heart. But only in pretense. You know what that word pretense means? It's the same word as pretend. This is the meaning of it. It's an attempt to make something that is not the case appear true. It's what I like to call the hyacinth syndrome. Why do I say that? Do you remember hyacinth? Her name was Bucket. But she called herself Bouquet. And what was the name of the soap? that she was in, or the drama. It was called Keeping Up Appearances. That's all she did. She appeared over the phone saying uh, something like, the bouquet residence, lady of the house speaking. <laughs> she tried to make herself appear like she was the lady of the manor. But basically, she, they just drove a normal car. They lived in a normal house. They were just normal people. She was putting up a front. She was putting up a pretense Just like the people of Israel. And hey, Jesus calls it out. Jesus calls it out. Get this. Jesus. Not me. Jesus calls it out in his bride in the New Testament. You know what he calls? Gentle Jesus. Hypocrites. So he calls us hypocrites. When we pretend to return to him. but We haven't done it with all our heart what he's calling out in Revelation 2 when he's calling out the church in Ephesus you've done all these great things but you've left your heart behind that's what I think he's calling out on us, I've said that before and so it's decision time MCF today now are we going to return to him with all our hearts, not just a bit all of our hearts that's what he is longing for Maybe up until this point you have not been convinced as yet. I don't know how when we have a loving God like that. But you're in good company because the people of Israel weren't convinced either. And so God begins to give them a vision. A vision of what he is offering to them. That is more than forgiveness. As if we need that. That's just how good he is. He offers more than forgiveness. He gives them a vision of what the future could be like. And this is where we really get to see the beauty of God. He says to them, this faithless Israel, this unfaithful Judah, if you would return to me now, then I am going to bless you, not just with forgiveness, but I am going to bring restoration. I am going to restore you to be the people that you have always been created to be. (laughs) Hey church, do you see how this foreshadows the cross and what Jesus has done for us? He goes to the cross not just as if we need any more, but he offers forgiveness. Yes, in all, in all of its goodness. And this is the bit we forget about. He offers a restoration of who we were created to be. The abundant blessings that will flow. Why? Why? From a repentant heart. Forgiveness and restoration. Isn't this amazing? I told you you would see God's heart in this. He's absolutely amazing. And so he gives the sign in this chapter of what that will look like for the people of Israel. Okay, so I want to just highlight a few things in all of this. Because this is a wonderful way that we see the restoration of the people to who they were created to be. The blessing of the restoration begins in verse, uh, well, really it's 14 because he says return, but I want to start in verse 15. He says, the first sign of this restoration, and I'm sorry I'm going through this quickly. Just gotta, um, I want to encourage you to get into this during the week. He says, then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. Now, do you see this? He's saying, return faithless, Israel, for I am your husband. I will choose you. Then, see that connection? Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. Notice that. And notice the order of this as we go. The first thing that is a sign of a restored people is faithful leaders. The order of scripture is always important. We've got to take notice of it. Leaders of influence. That's why he, he says, I'm going to give you faithful leaders first. Do you remember back to chapter 2, the way that the leaders were at this time? He called out through Jeremiah, the prophets, the leaders, the priests, the teachers of the law. He says, you've all rebelled. As you go through Jeremiah, you'll hear some of the things he, that God's accusing them of. He says, you don't seek justice. You don't promote the case of the fatherless. You do not defend the just cause of the poor. You prophesy lies, false hope. You rule by your own authority. And you shepherds, you've scattered your flock. You've driven them away. You haven't bestowed care upon them. The time that we are at in this passage is filled with unfaithful leaders and yet God has given them a vision. If you would return to me, I will give you faithful leaders. My word... Doesn't it sound so relevant to today's world? See, I felt the challenge in this is all too close to home as someone who's been given this privilege to lead. The challenge is me, and I won't call out or highlight anyone by name because I have a plank in my heart and in my eye that needs dealt with before I call out the specs and others. But we have seen leaders falling around the world, one after another, Across the nations, across denominations, across theological boundaries, appearing faithful and yet proved to be unfaithful. And it breaks my heart. As I've said, challenged with that, I can't say I know their hearts because I'm not them. I just know my heart. And too many leaders, including me, have forgotten what it is to repent, <laughs> to turn back. To fix our eyes on him, we get caught up in everything else, the distractions. We are called to be doubly accountable. We will be hailed as leaders, not just for our own walk, but those that we have influence over. That includes you. We are meant to lead by example as your leaders here. And I am saying to you, we're not perfect, we make mistakes, we've made mistakes. But I want to assure you of one thing, and you can only take my word for this, but in the few months that I have sat in that room upstairs with the other elders in here, we are trying to practice this turning back, this devotedness to him. We are challenging one another and what it means to not be distracted, but to be devoted disciples, following Jesus first and foremost. And I hope with all my heart that the fruit of that will be that we will be shepherds who will lead with knowledge and understanding and model devotedness to you. And so I ask you to pray for us in that. I ask that you would ask us how that's going. <laughs> Why? Because there should be nothing we should be afraid of. We're meant to be living this out. And so I really long... To see that the first sign of this will be faithful leaders. This is the vision that God gives his people. And we'll see why I think that's still relevant for today. Sign number two of all of this. We see faithful leaders will breed a faithful people or a faithful nation. The blessing begins to flow. As you read through chapter three this week. What you will see is some of the signs of a faithful people. He says your numbers will increase greatly in the land. That's fruitfulness. That's fruitfulness. He says in, that's in uh, verse 16 and verse 17, he says, no longer will they follow the stubbornness of their evil hearts. You know what that is? That's the restoration of those who are faithless. And then he says, I will cure you of backsliding. (laughs) That is the restoration of those who are unfaithful. Let me give you a little picture of what backsliding is and why I believe that's the unfaithfulness. And someone shared this with me last week, and I believe it really was of the Lord. Have you ever saw, have um, any of you have kids going up the big slide in alley cats or in cheeky chimps? And your kids, when they come down it, what's the first thing they want to do? They want to climb back up it again. It's like, do you know that slope we went down last week in Jeremiah 2? We try to climb back up it ourselves, like our kids. Do you know what ends up happening when we try to do that? Our kids... Watch them. They fall down. They slip over and over and over and over again. They smack their chin like our boy does all the time. And what ends up happening is I have to go and lift him and take him back up to the top. Do you see how this is a picture of what backsliding is? When we try to do better. <laughs> when we try with good hearts and good intentions. Because we take verses like we want to lift up our eyes to the hills. Who can ascend that holy hill? those with clean hands and a pure heart you know where we go to right away what can I do? I want to clean my hands I want to have a pure heart I'll just keep doing these things I'm going to keep going up here but it's struggle, 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 struggle and we keep falling back down again (laughs) I want to remind us we have a father in heaven who came down Emmanuel, God with us you know he's given us a lift on his shoulders up to the top and said you don't need to do this Stop trying. Just watch me. Watch what I did. I, your Lord, can give you clean hands and a pure heart. I love it. It's who he is. We go to see more in all of this. We're going through this at a good rate. Verse 18 we see unity in the people of God. That's a sign of a faithful people. The people of Judah will join the people of Israel. and They'll come together from the northern land to the land I give your ancestors, your ancestors as an inheritance. Unity in the bride. It's something that he longs for. To see his people united with him. And then the overflow of that unity with one another. I am tired. I'm absolutely tired of seeing division in our church, in our bride, particularly in this land. This is not a political statement about unity. I'm saying we need to fix our eyes on him, unity on him, because you know where it always leads to. Verse 21, repentance, crying out in repentance. Verse 21 says a cry is heard on the barren heights, the weeping and pleading of his people Israel because they have perverted their ways and forgotten the Lord their God. Unity, when we fix our eyes on him together, it will always lead to a crying out in repentance, a turning back together, fixing our eyes on what really matters. You know, the sad thing about this is this part that they're talking about, the cry and what he is talking about here. Remember what I said? It's just a vision. God has given him a vision of what a faithful people looks like. You know, the sad thing about this is the people of Israel, they never lived it out. They never fulfilled the vision. He even gives them in verse 22, the prayer of repentance, what it should look like. This acknowledgement of guilt, this this realization of shame, this sense of looking together and not blaming one generation or the next generation, but saying, both of us, we've sinned and turned our eyes away from you, so we want to come back to you together. And I long, MCF, I long for this to be a lived out reality for us, not just some vision that God gives us. Because the people of Israel didn't get it. And they missed out on this. And for such a time as this. In this Kairos moment. He is calling out. And I urge us. That this be the posture of our hearts. I long for us to be a people. Who are called by his name. Who will humble ourselves. Will pray and seek. His face. Turn. Turn. From our wicked ways. And then what? He will hear from heaven. Forgive their sin. And will heal their land. His land needs it. So we see a faithful leader breeds a faithful people. And when the people, this nation, will become faithful once again. By turning back to him. We see the last step. In the restoration of who we were created to be. Note back to the beginning of scripture. The people of Israel. This is what God has given them a vision of. And at the beginning of scripture he says to Abraham. You will have many descendants. And what all nations will be blessed through them. God's people are to be carriers of his blessing. That is forgiveness of sins but also a restoration of the land and the people to who they were always meant to be. Keep that in mind as we read chapter 4. If you, Israel, will return, then return to me, declares the Lord. If you put your detestable idols out of my sight and no longer go astray and in a truthful, just and righteous way you swear, as surely as the Lord lives, then the nations will invoke blessings by him and in him they will boast. Do you see what happens? He says, if your leaders turn back to me, if that flows out into the people and into the nation, then the nations will be blessed by you. And I long for that. I long that people will look at this nation and see a love for God. It will see a unity in his bride. Not the division that we've had. Not a love for worthless idols, but a love for him. And that we might be restored to being the people we are called to be, just like the people of Israel. Seeing the extension of his blessing into the nations and the praise of Yahweh lifted high. This is a Kairos moment, MCF. I keep saying this, but it's like Leonard Ravenhill, that great revivalist, says the opportunity of a lifetime needs to be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. Let me repeat that again. The opportunity of a lifetime Needs to be seized during the lifetime of that opportunity. The Lord is inviting us in to experience intimacy. To experience forgiveness. To experience blessing and restoration and love and awe. Like we have never tasted before. Are we going to be like the people of Israel? And just say, nah, you're all right. I'm content. Or are we gonna pursue him with the same heart he pursues us? See what happens, faithful nations. So I, you might be sitting at the moment and saying, "Okay, I'm ready." Where do we go with this? Let me give us. Let me bring this into land a little bit and make this applicational for us. In all of this, there are two key. Uh, verses, as you read on in chapter 4, that give us an insight into what needs to happen. Chapter 3 and 4, it says, Break up your unplowed land and do not sow among the thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts. Let me just unpack that for a moment. Break up the unplowed land. You know what that is? This is all the heart work, by the way, that's going on. It's breaking up the hard soil that hasn't been touched in our hearts. You know what? That's a difficult work. It takes time. But then it's not just about making that space, but we need to be ready to have fertile soil in our hearts. Because if we just sow into the thorns, you know what Mark 4.19 says the thorns are? The worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things. You know, I call that worthless idols. We need to get rid of the thorns, the worthless idols in our hearts as we break up this unplowed land, the unplowed soil in our hearts to see what's under the surface, to see the thorns removed and then circumcise our hearts. You know what it says in Romans? This circumcision of the heart has to be a work of the spirit, not of the written code. Let me repeat that. A work of the Spirit, not of the written code. All of that, see that that we've just talked about, the unplaying, the removal of the thorns, the circumcision of the heart. We can't do it ourselves. We can't do it by just looking at this and thinking, I'll just try harder. It's the word in the Spirit. As we read these things and we ask, Holy Spirit, would you make this a lived out reality in my life and in our life as a church? You know what Paul says to the church in Ephesus that is being challenged, actually in Revelation 2, that we feel challenged on? He says to the church in Ephesus, do not grieve the Spirit. Not just grieving the Spirit for the Spirit's sake, because we need God, the Holy Spirit. MCF, we cannot work, let me say this, we cannot work our way into heaven. How did that work out for those in Babel? (laughs) Scattered, speaking a different language. We need a work of the spirit. We cannot grieve the spirit. What does it mean to grieve the spirit? To take for granted, to um, forget, to make sad or unhappy, to break his heart. How do we grieve the spirit? We find fault in him. We look in here and we say, "Mm, I'm not sure that's what would be going on there. We fade in our love and our dependency. We see him as some impersonable spirit when he is God himself to have relationship with. We forget. We leave him out to the point where we forsake him. And like I said last week, we just do church. Leaving him to the side. We cannot, we cannot allow this heart. Work to go on, undone or unnoticed. This hard work must be an ongoing daily work. It cannot just be on Sunday mornings. I can't stress that enough. Repentance is a daily requirement. It's not a one-time bonus. It is a daily requirement for us as the church to be a repentant people. Lamenting and celebrating at the same time. Lamenting on how broken we are and how much we need him and celebrating that he has this abundant grace that he just continues to pour out time and time again. Let's not cheapen the grace. (laughs) This has to be a daily work. Why do I believe that? (laughs) Because Jeremiah, in his second book, Lamentations, he says this. His compassions are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will what? I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. So it's not just waiting for waiting's sake, but waiting whilst seeking. And it's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. (laughs) These are good things to do. I want to create a space for that this morning here, MCF, okay? Just to follow what I believe the Lord has laid on our hearts. What I want to do end, once we've sung our song now in a moment, this space here, I just want to leave as a space for you to linger. To wait. To seek him. But to wait quietly. <laughs> and we'll have people there who will want to pray with you. You can sit, read scripture, you can pray, whatever. The quietly is without distraction. And so what I want to say is God's a God of the invitation. So you won't force this on anyone. If you are not at that point where you want to sit with him, or you're someone that isn't at that point yet to follow Jesus, I'd say, well, why not today? (laughs) That'd be great. Come and talk to me about it. But we don't want to force that on you. So what I'm going to encourage is anyone who wants to wait around on the Lord, stay in here. If you want to go and have a chat and a coffee, there's plenty of space out here. If anyone's out there in the cafe that wants to come in, come in. There will be a point where I will close the doors because I want to create that space. Jim Brown used to say to me, leaders lead. This is what we're doing in this moment. We're creating space for those who want to linger. Not to chat, just to do hard work with the Lord. But I want to encourage you. Like I said, this is every morning. This must be an ongoing work MCF. So why, during the week, why don't you grab a coffee with someone and ask each other, what are you feeling challenged about? <laughs> So you get into Jeremiah, what are the idols you've recognized in your life? Hey, come on, do you want to do this? We've got to do it together. Have you found fault in God? Have you found fault in others? Maybe church or leaders or friends or maybe the spirit. You go, hmm. Do you feel like in the last few weeks you've realized your, your love for him is just fading a little bit and you need someone to chat that out with? That you're forgetting about him and what he has done for you. That you are forsaking him. You're realizing I'm trying to do life by my own strength. Maybe you could even pray together. Maybe you're part of a home group. I want to encourage you. Don't hide behind Bible study. You can't be changed by the written code. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Hear me in this. Not my words. His. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You need the word and the spirit. Don't leave them out. And on an ongoing basis, I would encourage you, find a couple of people to pray with on an ongoing basis and ask these questions. MCF, are we going to return to him? That is the question. If we want to do this, then we've got to take this seriously. We've got to be intentional about this and create the framework in our lives for this, not to be something else that we do, but to allow him to do something in us. See, notice the difference not something we do to allow him space as we seek him as we wait quietly for him to do work in us so i'm going to pray for us the band are going to come lead us in worship and then remember those who want to wait around and linger prayer ministry team will be here as well you stay here if you want a cup of tea and a chat out in the cafe there's plenty of space Lord, we come before you afresh as a people who believe we have heard from you. We have heard your challenge and it's broken our hearts and we want to return to you. We want to fix our eyes on you afresh, Lord Jesus. But we understand that even as we create space, we can't do that ourselves. We can't muster that up. We can't create an emotional atmosphere. We can't make it all smoke and lights and all of that. We just want to sit with you and allow you to do a deep Heart work in us through the power of your spirit. So we just leave ourselves open to you right now. Would you begin that in us even right now this morning? But may this be an ongoing work of your spirit in us, Lord. We long to be a people like we challenged ourselves at the start of the year, that by the end of this year, we are a church who are more in love with you and have our eyes fixed on you and have seen you at work in our lives in a greater way than we have experienced to this point. And why do we believe this, Lord? Because you say in Hebrews 8, verse 6, that this covenant we live in is a greater one to the old covenant. (laughs) With superior promises to that that is in the old covenant. (laughs) So we want to sit with you and experience more of you and your ever increasing glory in our lives. Come Lord Jesus, come Holy Spirit, fill us afresh for your name's sake.